0: back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston show. Yes, it is time finally for the release of the Kraken or not, or maybe so, maybe not. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to address the whole issue and all the breaking information about Sydney Powell and Trump's legal team's letter regarding how she's not actually a part of Trump's legal team and what that may mean because there's two possible ways in order to read that. But first, before we get to that, The media is trying to go out there and do the dipsy-doo flipperoo that by Trump not conceding to Joe Biden, that Trump by going through what the law says and issuing proper legal challenges to election irregularities and numerous affidavits of fraud regarding the election and the Democrats blatantly illegal activities during the election, that that's the coup. So let's go ahead and see what these frauds have to say what this president is doing to subvert this election is unprecedented uh and unprecedented if that's a word would you call this a coup an attempt at a coup oh there's no question it's an attempt at a coup it's uh, as with everything donald trump does the intention is as uh, malign as one thinks the execution is as incompetent as you can imagine and so it is likely to fail because it is not particularly well thought through, but there's no question he is trying, to, you know, you put it exactly right, he's trying to to execute a coup, and you pointed out, it's it's. A, people say it's unprecedented in American history. It's really pretty unprecedented around the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really, really getting sick of this. You know, this whole everything Donald Trump does is somehow evil and horrible, and that now... After they spent four years trying to enact a coup or five years in order to try and enact a coup, doing everything they can to try and find a way to remove this president, him going through and filing lawsuits regarding all of the election fraud and irregularities, just like numerous other presidents have throughout American history, whenever there's been a close election, including Al Gore back in 2000, just to name one has done. But no, no, no. His attempt to challenge their coup is the coup itself. It's the dipsy do flipperoo that they've been trying. You know, I'm really sick and tired of the media acting so dishonestly. I am so sick of all the BS that they keep pushing. If they don't like the way an election comes out, they push conspiracy theories. They try to go through and do everything they can, including impeachment for absolutely no reason and they celebrate it. And then filing a lawsuit, going to a court, to a judge, to present your evidence of your claims, that's the coup. That, that's what they consider a coup. My God. You know, just end CNN. You know, just CNN. Let's face it. Without Donald Trump around, CNN, they're, gonna, they're not going to be around anymore. In fact, when you take a look at the liberal media, CNN in particular would have gone under years ago right now, but left-wing billionaires keep stepping in, throwing money down the drain to try and keep them propped up because, well, they can't stay stand on their own. Okay. All right. So now let's go ahead and start addressing this whole issue with the Kraken and Sidney Powell. So There's a whole issue here with the Trump's legal team issuing a letter saying Sidney Powell is not actually a part of their legal team. And in all theories, yes, that is true. And as a matter of fact, right? There's a lot of lawyers out there, you know, Linwood included, who are going off and filing their own challenges to the election based off of large evidence of fraud. And let's face it, the evidence of fraud is pretty overwhelming here. We've gone through and taken a look at all of the data, all of the data analysis. We've gone through all of the irregularities that all seem highly localized in a few Democrat districts of some very important swing states. Now we'll address the Dominion part uh, and the voting machines part of it later, but the evidence of election fraud is so overwhelming that a Rasmussen poll has come out and has informed that, yeah, even a third of the Democrats, the Democrats, a third of them, these are people who, who are so impervious to facts and data that they no longer have the ability to tell the difference between a man and a woman, even they're coming out and starting to say, yeah, you know, we're not buying this either. I mean, this is a step too far for a third of the Democrats to believe. They can believe that men can become women, but they just are not wrapping their head around the idea that Joe Biden could have actually won legitimately in the 2020 election. I mean, the evidence of fraud is all over the damn place. And I could spend just, you know, the next two hours just summarizing all of the evidence of fraud. So what's going on with this whole Sidney Powell and the Trump's legal team? Well, one, you know, it's a statement of fact that she is not actually a part of the team. She's pursuing her own legal practice and filing her own lawsuits. Right. And she's, you know, coordinating some of that, you know, with Trump's legal team, although she's holding a lot of information close to her vest, all right, just like Lynn Wood. But there's another aspect of it. And so I'm going to share another uh, possible cup of uh, possibilities. And to be honest, I don't know which way this is going. You know, it, it's anybody's guess at this particular point in time, how this is going to end up going and what the end result is going to be. So there is one possibility. And, you know, th- that possibility is Sydney Powell has just been full of crap. That there was no Kraken and that she didn't have all the evidence that she needed. Okay, that is one thing, but that one is actually kind of hard to believe for me. And it's not just taking a look at Sidney Powell's past because they said a lot of things about her when she was making accusations against the federal government for what they did to General Michael Flynn. And she kept pursuing it, kept pursuing it, kept pursuing it, and forcing the government to release information until finally they got the hardcore proof that everything she said was true. I mean, this is one of those things that keep going around. You know, it's been a constant theme of the Trump administration. The media and everyone throws a bunch of, you know, rocks at them, you know, saying, oh, they have no evidence. Oh, they're making wild accusations and wild claims. And then later on, it turns out to be true. And then there are certain things where Trump, you know, starts going in one course, and then snaps back, you know, gives you a little bit of whiplash. You know, remember what Trump says, you know, uh, if you read uh, Trump's book is, you know, being unpredictable, the unpredictability, you know, keep your opponents completely off guard. Is that the case in this situation? Or has Sidney Powell finally lost it? I, you know, I'm having a hard time with the finally lost it. But then I start going off and I analyze the other things that are going on when it comes to Sidney Powell. Uh, one thing that she has received a lot of threats, and therefore is now needing, you know, armed protection to try and protect her. Because, as we have seen with much of President Trump's lawyers and legal teams throughout this battle, is that they are being doxxed, they are being harassed, their lives are being threatened, and so there has to be a way to be able to provide some sort of protection. And you know, you can go off and try and provide armed guards, but then again, some people will still maybe try and come after you. I mean, this is the way the left operates. So if we were to take a look at that, one of the things uh, that we can also take a look at, you know, when we're judging this is take a look at what's happening with Dominion itself, right? Dominion itself, it's closing up offices, its employees are, you know, purging their social media profiles. You know, the Dominion executives at the last minute canceled a fact-finding hearing with the Pennsylvania Legislature. Right, So it looks like they're running scared, right? All indications are that they're running scared because Sidney Powell has been providing and releasing enough information that they know they're caught and now they're scattering to the winds. Okay. So we go through and then we also take a look at all the other reporting on Newsmax, on OAN, you know, and we go through and we take a look at the robbery that happened in Pennsylvania that stole everything you would need to get administrator access the statements about, you know, the servers being seized over in Germany. You know, we got so many other statements that seem to corroborate what Sidney Powell was saying, right, being reported by various other networks, not just OAN and Newsbacks, but also the Gateway Pundit. So we got, you know, all of that. So, you know, right now, it's still hard to believe. And maybe it's because I want to believe so hard that President Trump is the legitimate winner of the 2020 election because the idea of Joe Biden getting into office is unfathomable to me. How could Trump improve, you know, by millions upon millions of votes from the previous uh, election in 2016, improve with higher percentages of almost every demographic group and then be beaten by someone who spent the entire campaign in his basement, who underperformed Hillary Clinton? Everywhere in the country except for these very select spots in these swing states, none of that makes any sense to me. You know, and it's I'm unable to wrap my hand or my head around that idea. So if we were to take a look at Trump being unpredictable, and if you take a look at Sydney Powell back at the press conference, she looked like she was under, you know, like she was afraid at some particular points in time. And I guess if you're going off and saying that you're gonna blow the lid off of an international election rigging scheme worth trillions of dollars, chances are you have some pretty big threats on your life. And she may be pretty scared about that and still flying in the face of, you know, that fear and trying to continue to move forward. So if we were to take a look at the idea that she is getting death threats and that her life may be in jeopardy, and then you start seeing those guilty of perpetrating the crime already running and scattering to the winds, then if you were to take a look at the unpredictability and playing the media like a fiddle, you could say, or you could perceive the idea that the whole issue regarding Sidney Powell may be misdirection, deception, right? And in one of two ways, one, start throwing, uh, make it look like you're throwing Sidney Powell under the bus going, yeah, you know, her claims are getting a little crazy, a little out there. We're going to put some distance and then have the media report on that to try and give some comfort and relief to those that may seek to do her harm, you know, and make it seem like, okay, maybe she doesn't actually have anything. She doesn't have the evidence. She may know what has happened. She may understand exactly what has happened, but she doesn't actually have anything. The, uh, the Trump team has been pressing her. She hasn't, they haven't sh- uh, she hasn't shown them anything. And therefore, they're cutting ties and saying, yeah, even she's too crazy for us. And therefore, no credibility, nothing that she says, no matter what, you know, no matter how true it is, is ever gonna amount to anything because she doesn't actually have the evidence that she that they say she has. And, you know, put that little bit of distance, take the pressure, you know, um, you know, off and try and ease up on the death threats onto her because she was saying here not only about releasing the Kraken, shaking the globalists to their core. You know, lots of people are going to end up going to jail. But she had also talked about how a lot of her witnesses were likely going to need witness protection. Well, if we're at a level where, you know, there's already death threats against her as a lawyer and death threats, you know, that would go towards her clients or witnesses such that they would need witness protection, then yes, you could see a little bit of a misdirection would be advisable it would be a way to try and throw off the scent of all those who are trying to get to the witnesses, intimidate them, kill them, you know, or, you know, threats against her life. Again, I'm only looking at this from the prospect of Trump's unpredictable nature doing the things that people don't expect him to do, which leads me to another theory here that we could possibly take a look at. And that theory is, well, she's not being part of our going to interact with Trump's legal team anymore because she's being moved back into a role as a federal prosecutor because she has been asking some good questions here. Where's the DOJ? Where's the FBI? Where's the people who are supposed to be investigating all of this? So if they're not picking up the ball, it could be that she's going away from the private sector of this uh, election fraud. And they issue that letter only to find out later that, oops, now she's a federal investigator. I mean, that would be a move that is very unpredictable and very unprecedented and very Trumpian. At least that, you know, is one way to read it. Now, which of these scenarios is likely to play out? I don't know at this particular point in time. I'm like every last one of you. You know, I don't have inside connections. I don't have the, you know, phone numbers of Rudy Giuliani or Sidney Powell herself. I can't just call up and ask. All I can do is observe, give you my opinions, and then let you know of possible scenarios and possible outcomes. I mean, it, 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 this, is, this is wild times. Meanwhile, while we are going off and trying to figure all of this, is there a crack in? Is it going to be released? Is there not? You know, and we're all trying to go through and figure this out and trying to wrap our he- heads around an election that makes absolutely zero sense, whatsoever and doesn't fit within the realm of actual possibilities based off of everything that we're seeing in the data, you know, while we're trying to wrap our head around that, we got some other things going on, things that we kind of need to address. This whole Kraken issue, well, we'll figure that out here uh, by no later than the time the electoral college meet. All right, so everything along with that is is going to be wrapped up soon. So we'll know one way or another. We're not going to be hanging on for months or years trying to figure this out. Either way, it has been very entertaining. This would make for a good movie script in Hollywood, even if it doesn't turn out to be true. But it has been very entertaining to see how the media is melting down. You know, did you catch that press briefing where the journalists basically were throwing themselves to the floor, kicking and screaming, why won't you just concede right now? You're destroying democracy. What are you doing? I mean, that is pretty entertaining. I mean, these are supposed to be adult, serious journalists, and they're just having complete and total meltdowns and hissy fits that Trump isn't conceding at this particular point in time. And look, there's no law about him having to concede already so long as he believes he has legal challenges going through the courts. This is anything but unprecedented. In fact, this is pretty normal for election politics. The only thing unprecedented is how the media is reacting, how childish they've become, how insane they have become with Trump derangement syndrome a level, you know, off the charts on a on a scale of one to 10, the Trump derangement syndrome uh, on their side is at about a 25. That's how off the chart it is. Now it's entertaining. And if the Kraken is real and is going to come out oh, it's going to be even more entertaining. I'm sitting back here with the popcorn, at least just watching all the leftists melting down. And I am just thoroughly entertained by that. But you know what? In all seriousness, if you take a look at the way the media is reacting and Biden's you know, so-called transition team is reacting with the office of the president elect, it goes off and shows you just how little confidence that they have in the legitimacy of Biden having won the election or supposedly Winning the election, which feeds into a lot of the issues that we are facing here with the stop the steal movement. Nobody has confidence in this election with all of the irregularities. Which brings me also to Tucker Carlson. You know, as you know, Tucker Carlson went out there and basically did a drive-by media hit job on Cindy on uh, Sydney Powell, basically saying. Oh, she wouldn't come on my show. How dare she? She's making uh, these accusations and she won't come on my show. And basically it has a big hissy fit about it. You know, he, he's getting quite the ego now that he's has such high ratings and high paychecks. And I'll address, you know, issues that we have here in the conservative movement or the Trump movement, the MAGA movement because I think we kind of moved a little bit beyond conservatism, although that is still very much a part of Trumpism, but, you know, and the MAGA movement, but, you know, it's gone a little bit more, you know, beyond that. So Tucker Carlson basically has a big old hissy fit about the fact that she won't come on the show and won't divulge uh, more evidence to him before she gets in front of a judge filing a lawsuit. Look, you know, if you don't believe her, hey, that's fine. You can always wait and wait until we figure out whether or not she actually does have the evidence that she claims to have, and then go run your piece. But instead, he decides to basically act like the drive-by media trying to do a hit job. And there's one thing that gets to me when he's going off and claiming, you know, this is the greatest election fraud. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe, I'm not sure about the accuracy of that claim, but he seems to have a hard time believing in the idea that the left, would go off and try and rig an election, and calls it outrageous and dangerous to democracy. Well, okay, I'll, I'll kind of agree with that on a partial basis uh, that it is dangerous to democracy. You know, if it's you know actually true and she has what she claims she has, you know, it's dangerous to democracy that the left did that. But I'm trying to figure out what's so hard to believe about this. I mean, just for a moment, take away all of the evidence that we already have. And that has been blasted all over, you know, uh, social media. The evidence uh, on uh, reported in OAN and Newsmax and the likes. What exactly is so hard to believe about this? I mean, there was a time where we would have thought the idea that a president would use an agency like the IRS to target political opposition to shut them up during an election year would have been unthinkable, outrageous, and dangerous to democracy. But that happened. And remember when people first came out and started talking about the IRS targeting of conservatives? Oh, those are basis conspiracy theories. Where's your evidence? You didn't show your evidence yet. Oh, you didn't get to it. And then time went on, and all of a sudden, the evidence just comes flooding out into the open, and the IRS ends up having to settle with a bunch of conservative groups. And there was a time we would have thought it to be unthinkable that a president would abandon an ambassador and surrender him, basically. Two terrorists to be brutally murdered and dragged through, and have his corpse dragged through the streets, just to try and preserve a narrative a couple of weeks before an election, so it wouldn't hurt his re-election chances. That happened. It's called Benghazi. There would have been a time when we thought it would be unthinkable and dangerous to uh, to democracy to accuse a president of using the FBI and the intelligence community to target a presidential candidate of the opposition party to alter and fabricate documents and evidence that, you know, magically out of nowhere, just completely wholeheartedly manufactured in order to get a warrant from the FISA court to monitor him and his entire campaign in order to try and, you know, I guess, rig the election, sabotage the election. There was a time we would have thought that was unthinkable. And the media told us, oh, that's just a crazy conspiracy theory. There's no evidence of that. Well, now we know what happened. And a large reason why we know what happened was Sidney Powell in her defense of General Michael Flynn. She had a role in exposing all of that. So if they're willing to do all of those things and more that I haven't gotten to, and from a side that's also spent the vast majority of the year promoting, supporting, or engaging in domestic terrorism and celebrating the death of anybody they politically disagree with, what's so hard to believe that they would go off and change a few codes and software in order to rig the outcome of the election? In fact, one may argue that that is easier to believe than all the other stuff that they actually ended up doing. And then we got people talking about how uh, Dominion had a conversation uh, with uh, Antifa and that they overheard it while they were trying to infiltrate Antifa. We have all of the you know, election security issues where anybody can easily hack in uh, the system, uh, as admitted by Dominion executives, can in fact, you know, just randomly delete votes or, you know, go through and remember that Sharpie issue. Well, it turns out the Sharpie issues is a great way to throw off the machines so that they don't count the votes and require manual review, to which they can either alter or just delete altogether. You know, so we got all of that. So what is really all that hard to believe? And by the way, we're gonna find out soon anyways, whether or not it's true. Now it's easily plausible. You know, I mean, we are dealing with the Democrats here, and we've already seen everything that they've already done in the past. This is actually seems like a more scaled-down, simplified version of all their past attempts. I mean, heck, it was once thought crazy talk to believe that a political party Would impeach a president for no for no actual reason, no evidence of a crime, no witness to a crime, and you can't even name a crime. But the idea that they would just impeach him because it would look good for election politics was once thought unthinkable. That happened too. You know, you can't underestimate the left. And so, while I get that Tucker Carlson may not actually believe this, he should reserve judgment considering everything else that we've seen that we once thought was unbelievable just sit down, shut up, and wait to see if she has the evidence, right? That's all you need to do is just wait to see if she has the evidence she claims to have. We'll know soon enough. Why jump the gun on it? You know how foolish you're going to look if she actually does have the evidence? And if she doesn't have the evidence, reserving judgment based off of her past record wouldn't hurt you at all. Which brings me to the last part of this particular podcast, I know this podcast, I believe with the way things are going, is going to be much shorter than my normal podcast. And that's because right now, it's like I said, we're in the eye of the hurricane, you know, the calm before the storm, you know, where information is starting to tighten up. People are starting to get tight lipped and we're not hearing a whole lot now. We're just kind of waiting for the lawsuits to be filed to see what actually happens. Right? But what I want to point out here is there's a lot of things that we have learned in 2020, just like there's a lot of things that we learned back in 2016 after the election of President Trump. I mean, yes, we already knew that the polls uh, were fake, that they were just designed to suppress voter turnout and voter financing, you know, uh, donations to conservatives. After all, why waste your money if you didn't think that they were going to win? So, I mean, we knew about that. 2016 exposed the media, exposed the so-called experts that they prop up the fact checkers, all as a bunch of frauds, a bunch of gaslighting leftist frauds that aren't there to tell us anything true, that aren't there to inform us, but they there to try and control us, there to try and, you know, just lie their butts off to control the narrative. We also learn since that time just how fake the social media companies are, the how tyrannical the tech companies are, and how much they've been engaged in censorship, suppression of information. Because after all, those who control the information, what you're allowed to see and know, control what you think. And so there's been a lot of manipulation of the public. However, over the last four years, we've also learned a few other things about our own house, about the Republican Party, and whether or not they're really on our side, whether they're really on the side of conservatives or really on the side of the people. I mean, think about this. Just before the 2016 election, remember how all those House Republicans and Senate Republicans basically turned their back on Trump, the Republican candidate for president, and were trying to distance themselves and run away, and then Trump wins, right? And then all of a sudden, they're all going around trying to scramble, and it turns out that they hadn't prepared for the possibility of winning. And so all the things that they were promising, if they won, they didn't seem to have any preparations to actually implement and have ready to go running uh, come, you know, the inauguration day. And we also saw how much they resisted Trump over these years. They did nothing when the left was promoting the whole Trump-Russia hoax. I mean, in fact, they thought, hey, maybe, you know what, maybe there's something to it. We're going to keep our distance, let the left do whatever they want. And then, you know, if he gets removed, we won't have to deal with him you know, we'll have a president, you know, Ryan, you know, President Paul Ryan. And, you know, they're there's someone we can all, you know, work with. I mean, he was part of the swamp, you know, so they went off and they resisted him. And throughout the last four years, we've seen Republicans all over the place going off and stabbing Trump in the back, going off and taking a dig at him, you know, in the media, you know, the Mitt Romney types and, you know, that, uh, Chris Christie and, you know, and Republicans throughout, you know, the House and Senate every so often, they couldn't help themselves. They had to take a jab at the president. And then they found out that, holy shit, the Democrats really did use the intelligence community to illegally spy on the president without predication or cause. And so then they started going through and you know what, over time, I guess they kind of learned, you know, some of them, you know, not to go against uh, the president because he was the people's president. And with that, you know, Trump would, you know, be able to really slam him pretty hard using Twitter, and they received a lot of backlash from Trump supporters. So over time, they had gone through and they've decided, okay, you know what, we'll just kind of hold back, not comment. But they made their disdain for the president pretty obvious, regardless. Now, the only one that I really see that made a big turnaround, you know, and I'm saying, you know, a big turnaround. You know, I'm not talking about Ted Cruz. He's always been a solid conservative, although I must say, uh, as it comes to Ted Cruz, I like him more now than I did when I, for, you know, back in 2016. And it seems like by, you know, taking part of podcasting YouTube culture and doing the interviews and going on Steven Crowder, he's learned how to relax and talk to the people. You know, I mean, one of the things that really threw me off about him in 2016 is he always talked as if he was a lawyer in the courtroom, you know, just kind of not too authentic, you know, but he's learned to be able to relax and be comfortable in his own skin, just talking to the people. Now I like him more than I did in 2016. And we see other Republicans uh, that have gone out there starting their own podcasts and just going around the media and going straight to the people and getting away from the conventional media and going to popular podcasters and the conservative movement. You know, so that is good. You know, I like how they've learned how to use technology finally to get around the media and the censorship and just go directly to the people. But even with all of that, look what's happened now. While you still have a lot of Republicans who are, you know, scared of Trump supporters who aren't going off and You know, for by and large, are not going off and asking for the president to concede, who are not calling Joe Biden president-elect. They're also not lifting a damn finger to try and help defend this president from, by all appearances, a fraudulent election, a stolen election. You know, from all appearances, they're not doing anything. And so now they're worried about the Georgia runoffs, that Trump supporters are not gonna actually show up for them in Georgia in the runoffs and cast a vote. Well, no kidding. You know, you can't keep stabbing us in the back, telling us, oh, you support conservative movement or Trump, um, you know, the Trump doctrine. You can't keep doing, you know, saying that to get elected. Stab us in the back and keep expecting us to turn out for you. People are getting tired of choosing for the lesser of two shitheads, you know, the lesser of two evils, Democrat or Democrat light, you know, far left or center left. We're tired of it. We're tired of it because there is no win for us. And we can't unsee what Trump has shown us when we have someone who actually fights for the people, you know, the success, you know, the economic prosperity, the best handling of a pandemic that we have seen. I mean, there, you know, we can, you know, I guess debate about that, but we've gone from outbreak to vaccine in the shortest amount of time in record time, record breaking time showing us what happens if you can get, you know, uh, the government off of its butt and ju- or at least out of the way and in- provide funding and encouragement to pharmaceutical companies, the, d- d- the diseases they can solve and how fast they can solve them, right? We've also seen peace breaking out in the Middle East, and we've had four years of basically global stability. There really wasn't any real conflict. In fact, we saw a scaling back, of military conflicts and more. You know we can't unsee that just like we can't unsee how much they had to be dragged along kicking and screaming for the Trump administration. Now, one person that did kind of seem to turn around uh, quite a bit is Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, he, who even to this moment is still rushing through to appoint Trump-nominated judges to federal courts, because he knows we're going to need them, especially over of the next four years if Biden manages to succeed in stealing this election. So it seems like Mitch McConnell was able to figure out a way to have a good relationship with Trump and support Trump. So that is good. But beyond exposing further what we already kind of knew about the Republican Party, who's not really on our side, it exposed a lot of other things here. It exposed the foxes in the henhouse. house. It exposed Fox News. You know, Fox News has been shifting for quite a long time and it finally exposed them as not really being on our side. They were willing to pander to us. They were willing to tell us what we wanted to hear, but the first moment an opportunity that they had, they threw Trump under the bus. Chris Wallace's uh, moderation of the debate was absolutely disgraceful. We could see how Fox conducted itself on election night, absolutely disgraceful and how they're treating uh, Trump and his administration at this particular point in time, absolutely disgraceful. They've decided to completely abandon the Republicans, conservatives, the right wing, and throw in with the left because they want to be invited to the black tie dinners and all the social events and be accepted by the likes of CNN. You know, it really kind of exposed. But to be honest, I kind of wonder how long ago that Fox News has really, you know, abandoned the conservatives. And has become nothing more than a system of control. And so, this is the problem that I have with not just Fox News, but a lot of other so-called conservative leaders. Is I wonder how much they're really leaders versus having just ulterior motives. Fox News. I'm going to take this into an analogy here, an analogy of the Matrix. You remember the Matrix? People make references to that all the time, especially the Red Pill. And in there there's the prophecy of the one, you know, the person who would be able to manipulate the Matrix to their will, and they will defeat the machines and deliver the human race to salvation, to end the war. Well, it turns out that was never really the purpose of the one. I mean, once they got to Neo, Neo was the fifth or sixth iteration of the one, you know, an anomaly within the Matrix code and Really, it became um, just another system of control to give those who rejected the matrix false hope, a false leader, someone that they would believe would deliver them to freedom, but really was just there to, you know, lead uh, to the annihilation uh, of the resistance once it grew too big, and then just pick out a couple more people to restart the resistance as a way of helping to control those who themselves could not accept the matrix. And I'm wondering, based off of that analogy, how much of that has gone through and been a part of the conservative movement? Was Fox News you know, really on our side all this time? Was there a time they were on our side and they've shifted away and they've basically went to pandering to us as a way to keep us under control? And I wonder about this when it comes to other so-called conservative leaders those who just sit behind the microphone and just cheerlead from the side that go through, analyze things, and try to go through uh, as they claim the investigations that they are doing and what they are exposing and how this is going to lead to change, there are going to be consequences, yada, 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 and then nothing changes. No one suffers any price for it. How much of those people are really just there to pacify, to make us think like things are going to move along? That there's finally gonna be some changes that people are gonna be held accountable so that we ourselves do not rise up. And then by the time we realize that nothing's gonna happen, oh, wouldn't you know it's another election season? And so there's no reason to rise up. We can just vote and vote and vote. But no matter how much we vote, no matter how much we turn out to vote, nothing ever changes. No one's ever held accountable. They all keep stabbing us in the back no matter who we vote for incumbent, uh, challenger. You know, new people switch them out, keep them in. It hasn't mattered, and I and I just got to wonder: is was Fox News always about keeping us, you know, down? You know, and how many times, you know, have we been stabbed in the back? You know, or sabotaged by all these people? Makes you wonder. I mean, that's starting to be exposed, which is why people are now flooding over to Newsmax and OAN to try and get more of a deep dive. And they're not going out there and claiming that the election was stolen or You know, that the fraud is, but they are looking into it. They are doing investigative reports and showing that, well, yeah, it's possible, but they're all going back and saying, we're reserving, we're waiting for the evidence that this is what actually happened. We've already proven that it could happen, that it's easy for it to happen, but now we're trying to wait for the evidence to see if it did happen. So they're, you know, kind of reserving everything on there and they're doing a lot of great investigative journalists. But then I have to start going around and taking a look at, outside of Fox News, some so-called conservative leaders. Now, keep in mind, when I'm saying this, I'm not talking about Rush Limbaugh, right? Because, well, we know Rush Limbaugh has health issues, and there's really not much more he can do than what he's already doing behind the microphone, you know? So, except for those who are suffering from a potential, from a life-threatening illness or potentially life-threatening illness, them taking the time to focus more on either trying to recover or just trying to enjoy what time they have left on this earth. This does not apply to them. All right. But I am seeing a lot of other people out there that, you know, try to build themselves up as the voice of the conservative movement or the voice of Trumpism. And yet they're not really doing anything. They seem to be pandering. They seem to be trying to tell us what we want to hear but what are they actually doing other than getting behind the microphone and basically, you know, trying to tell us what we want to hear or sometimes, you know, trying to go off and try to downplay quite a few things. So, you know, as to keep us pacified, one person I'm starting to get suspicious of is Ben Shapiro. You know, Ben Shapiro for the longest time was also going off and saying that he didn't believe in anything regarding Spygate, that the you know, intelligence community deliberately spied on the Trump campaign out of malice. You know that they, you know, made things up. You know, and Dan Bongino was pushing it, and we remember how the how he got into a little back and forth with Dan Bongino, and then eventually, after it became so abundantly undeniable when when denying in Spygate was you know so ridiculous in the face of the evidence, then he comes out and goes, okay, you know, okay, this happened, you know. And so now he goes off and he tries to play this, you know, down the line. Hey, you know, this is what they're saying, but I need to see the evidence. I need to see the evidence. I need to see the evidence. Or maybe it's just because that he's a lawyer and lawyers basically let everybody else do all the work and then hand them a nice file and a nice pretty bow. And then they come in at the 11th hour and take all the credit in court. You know, but I'm starting to get suspicious of Ben Shapiro and how much of a conservative leader he really is versus he's just, you know, taking the Fox News strategy of, hey, we got this other 50%. So we're just going to go ahead, you know, and make fun of the left for them. We're going to go ahead and, you know, do some analysis and, you know, go off and, you know, help, you know, tell people what they want to hear, but we're not actually going to do anything. And you know what, if people start getting actually outraged at what they see, we're going to tell him to basically cool off, calm down, roll over, and just take it. You know, so I'm getting kind of suspicious about him. You know, basically, you know, as long as he's sitting behind the microphone and uh, able to make a lot of money just sitting behind the microphone and not doing anything else, you know, is he really a leader? Is he really the voice of conservatism? You know, the voice of the political right? I don't know. Maybe at one time, and this is another issue that we have. We have people that start off as, you know, good intentions, wanting to be warriors for the right, wanting to actually go through and make a lot of changes, and then they get very successful. Money flows into them, and then they become very complacent, very kind of spoiled, you know, but not all spoiled, but at least very complacent, very comfortable. They don't really want to do anything of any real consequence because it could jeopardize their money. You know, what if he gets deplatformed and his podcast is removed? Oh, that would remove his money. So, you know, we we're only going to go so far and as far as, you know, telling you certain things, but we're going to keep telling you to calm down because, you know, he wants to make sure he makes his money rather than actually doing anything that affects change. But then we have other people who really are leaders, like Dan Bongino, He's not just sitting behind the microphone doing nothing but just bowing off on his opinion and acting all outraged at stuff. You know, he kind of brings in levity into the show, but he's actually taking a stand. He started looking around, saw all the censorship, and he became a financial investor and partner in Parler, an alternative to Twitter, which now allows us to get away from the censorship and freely communicate uncensored to debate our ideas, to go through and communicate and to be able to try and organize, you know, without suddenly being deplatformed because someone doesn't like our ideas on tax policy or whatever, you know, that our content will actually be viewed so that we can organize and freely communicate and all of that. And then he's taken on YouTube, the censorship on YouTube by becoming a financial backer in Rumble. So he's actually going through and taking action. His action that he's taking at the moment is fighting him back against the tech tyrants and their censorship of the internet, which opens the door for a lot of other people to be able to do a lot of other things. So he's opening up that door. And then there's James O'Keefe over there at Project Veritas. He's easily taking action, getting undercovers and vastly exposing all the crap that is going on, all of the corruption, the illegal activities. He even got an undercover reporter into the Georgia recount and exposed what a complete sham that recount was. And you know what? I do see Mark Levin taking action. He announced that his wife is one of the lawyers that are going through and issuing uh, challenges and lawsuits to this election or providing some assistance to Trump's legal team. You know, something about that. But, you know, him and his family are taking action. So, yes, you know, there are some conservative leaders. Unfortunately, there are some people that you know, have decided to flat out stab us in the back, and other people who are just there to make a few bucks, pretending like they're doing something when they're not. Now I get it. You're probably asking me, what am I doing other than just sitting behind the microphone and producing a few videos? And I understand the question there. I mean, I just criticize so many other people, but the people I criticize are people who are actually in position where they have the financial resources, where they have the actual connection. Me, yeah, I don't have that. I you know, my podcast. I mean, I get it. You're listening to me. You like me. But compared to them, I'm just a small fish in the sea. You know, I'm you know, I'm at the point where I don't have the extra funds to start an organization to do undercover journalism or to, you know, uh vet candidates to run for political office. I don't even have the connections for that. So, I'm not in that position. But what I'm hoping is to use this podcast as a means to get the, uh, to get into position to do that. You know, for instance, I've been thinking about starting a new political party to replace the Republican party, you know, call it the MAGA party. Now I get it. There's the libertarians and, you know, so on and so forth, but they're under the umbrella of the Republican party. You know, I mean a complete separation, new party, not like the tea party, which was just a bunch of, you know, remarketing of base of most Republican, you know, um, members, you know, I'm talking about a brand new party and completely replacing the Republican party, the MAGA party. But am I currently in the financial position to be able to do that? No, I don't have the money or resources for that. Now, if you keep tuning in and, you know, uh, you know, the podcast keeps growing, I get more sponsorships, then yes, I would eventually be in that position. To be able to do something like that. Or, you know, starting off another Project Veritas like operation to be able to go in and expose, but have it more along the lines of trying to get in and expose Democrat campaigns and election fraud. Get more uh get more people deeper inside to get more of the direct, irrefutable evidence. I would like to be able to do that. Do I have the money or resources at this particular moment in time? No. So right now, uh, just like everybody else at one point in time, Ben Shapiro at one point in time, he didn't have the money or resources to do anything. He started a podcast. It grew. He created, you know, uh, the Daily Wire, you know, and it's grown uh, very successful, but he hasn't done anything with that success to actually advance the conservative movement. We take a look at Turning Point USA and we're asking them, where the heck are they at this moment? You know, they're one of the largest conservative groups, supposedly. Where are they at during all of this election issues? Dance videos on TikToks? Okay. They're not really doing a whole lot. You know, and so what we need to do is really analyze the so called leadership of the conservative movement and the voices and who we prop up as leaders and ask, are they really doing anything? Are they actually doing anything? I mean, we propped them up, they made sure that they make a lot of money so that they would have the financial resources needed to do anything. But are they actually doing anything? And I'd say for the vast majority of them, no, they just took that money, got complacent, and got and now they don't lift a finger to do anything. They'll just come on, you know, help, you know, uh, get their ego boost by having us tuning into their content, you know, boost to their ego and their wallets. But all in all, they're not really doing anything. Their idea of taking action is just expanding their content a little bit more, adding on a few more voices to their networks, you know, trying to create, you know, alternative networks. Okay. We already got alternative networks. We don't need more. We got blaze. We got OAN. We got Newsmax. Okay. Right now that's safe. We, we need less cheerleaders and more generals. And unfortunately we don't have generals. We have cheerleaders. We have fake cheerleaders. We have people willing to stab us in the back but we need more generals out in the field. And I've talked to you a little bit about my plans of how we can disrupt and tear down the Democrat party from within to sabotage their primaries. I've talked about starting uh, on this podcast, starting a new political party altogether under the Trump doctrine and Trump platform. I've talked about, hey, you know what, James O'Keefe, he's really good, but even he has limitations to how many undercover journalists he can have at a time. So maybe give them a little bit of help by doing more uh, organizations like Project Veritas. Now, there's a lot of things that we can be doing, but our conservative so-called leadership is not doing it. They have no interest in doing it. They're content with filling up their wallets with loads of cash, just being a cheerleader. But this isn't the time for cheerleaders. This is the time for generals in the field. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about political uh, generals, you know, cultural warriors, people who are actually going to go out there and effect change, to go out there to the state legislatures to get change, to run for office, you know, actual people to run for office to replace all of the rhinos, to get in and disrupt the Democrats' uh, party's ability to operate. We need to be doing all of that. And then um, over time, I'm going to go off and explain to you what I think we should do if we are successful in getting into office, whether or not we operate within the Republican Party or we replace the Republican Party, what it is that we need to do, what the platform needs to be as we do this. Okay. So that's it uh, for this particular episode. You know, I know, I know, just like you, I'm waiting to see, you know, are we going to get the cracking that we were promised or not? And we're going to find out. Right now, regardless of what they say in the media, regardless of what they try and claim Trump's, you know, uh, legal team's letter means, just reserve judgment. You know, don't, you know, suddenly go off and attack her. And, you know, because the last thing we want is to find out that she does have the Kraken and then say, screw you, because we turn on her. You know, so right now, if you're not out there going yes, she has it. It's going to drop and you know, this nightmare of this fraudulent Biden is coming to an end. I mean, if you're not going to go out there and say that, you know, then, you know, and by the way, whether or not you do, you're just going to have to decide based off of your own personal views and beliefs and reading of the situation, whether or not you believe based off of her past record that she can be trustworthy to have the evidence she claims to have, you know, but if you don't reserve judgment for right now, you know, don't be going out there attacking those who have that belief. Just reserve judgment because we're either going to see it really soon, you know, by the t- you know before the electors meet, or we're not going to see it at all. All right, but either way, it's not a long wait. So let's just be patient about it, you know, and not give in to you know what the media, who has lied to us for the last four or five years, or you know actually for the last fifteen years, you know, not cave in and you know and lose hope right but that doesn't mean you have to go out there and pronounce your undying belief in it either you know let's just reserve judgment see what she has to say all right so that's it uh go ahead leave me a rating and a review so other people can find this show go ahead share it around let's go ahead get this growing so that we can actually start implementing actual pl- action plans to to get us places and to get people into office, and look, don't just wait for me to be able to get to the point where I can financially afford to fund, you know, uh, all of these things that we need to do. You know, take action yourself. Look up, you know, who, you know, is your senator that's up for reelection in 2022 midterm. Not all states have a senator up for reelection. Granted, but look that up, see their record, and see how many times they've tried turning their back on Trump and stabbing them in the back. And if you don't like your senator, they're not actually promoting the views that you want them to view. Uh, You know, if they're not actually promoting Trumpism and you want Trumpism, then go around, get on the ballot, challenge them, start preparing right now to challenge them in the 2022 midterms. You know, especially if you have no political background, you're going to need this entire time in order to get awareness, in order to get a campaign going, and to have any hope of being able to defeat them in the primary, same thing with your House of Representative member. Go ahead, take a look at that, and then see you know uh, about challenging them if they're not actually representing what they claim they represent. All right, but don't just look at the House and Senate. Take a look at all levels. How's your state representative? Your state senator? Are they up for re-election in 2022? What are they doing to try and enact change, to try and promote, you know, and do this all the way down to the city level? You know, maybe you don't have the ability to run for representative or senator. Maybe you don't have time to run for the state legislature, but you may have time to run for city council, you know, or some of the local offices, mayor, you know, you may have that ability. So, you know, if you want change, be the change that you want to see, Don't just sit on the sidelines and just complain. Run for office yourself. And then if I can build up everything, I will try and provide whatever financial support I can manage for you. But that depends on the success of this particular podcast. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Go ahead, share this around. Let's get this show growing as fast as possible. Thank you. And I will be back again soon.